the Biden administration has launched a new way to gather data and feedback from the federal workforce. The president's management council is releasing the first data from its Federal Pulse survey that went out to civilian federal employees last fall. The survey is a pilot program aimed at getting here and now information from feds, more than OMB gets from the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. And, Jory, when I talked to the DDM, Jason Miller, the Deputy Director for Management at OMB in the fall, he mentioned this would be launching. And so now we have a result. First of all, tell us what it asked of federal employees. So this Federal Pulse Survey, it asked 10 simple questions to employees around three broad topics, employee engagement and burnout, the pandemic and plans to return to the office, and equity and inclusion topics. This is a pilot program, so this is something that is being worked on experimentally, but it went out through the President's Management Council together with the Office of Management and Budget, as well as the Office of Personnel Management and the General Services Administration. And this is a really wide scope of uh, a population for a Pulse survey. This went out to the approximately 2 million federal civilian employees who work at the 24 largest agencies. So this is the first wave of data that we're seeing uh, roll out here, but we'll see second and third waves of this data come out in the months to come. And I presume they do it online. They didn't mail these, did they? No, no, it's uh, being done electronically. All right. So now we know that the pulse survey shows that the federal employee has a pulse, the workforce. This idea of trade-off between what you get from these pulse surveys, and I guess they'll be happening regularly, and the annual federal employee viewpoint survey, what do they expect to be the delta there? What's what's the strategy? There's definitely pros and cons to pulse surveys. The pro column is that you're getting faster results on questions that are kind of a moving target. You know, if you got this kind of question on the FEVs, the federal employee viewpoint survey, you know, that data wouldn't be too terribly useful if you had, you know, a response about how you feel about office reentry and those results get published like a year later. That's not really a useful data point. But what you're getting from the Pulse survey is you're getting more real-time data, you know, a matter of months and weeks rather than years. And you're getting subsequent waves of it. You're getting second and third waves of the survey. And you're getting updates and iterations on those results. As far as the the cons here, the results, you know, aren't as rigorous as something we'd see from the FEVs. Um, it's not as comprehensive. It is much more narrow in scope. Uh, and, and to that point, we saw Pam Coleman, the Associate Director of Performance and Personnel Management over at OMB, say that, you know, these are results that are, you know, preliminary data and that it only offers a partial view into the federal employee experience. So you take that with a little grain of salt. All right. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And what about some of the results they actually got here, now that we know the methodology has pros and cons, such as returning to the office? How do people feel about that? At a government-wide level, federal employees had their strongest response around this. They said that they somewhat agree in a zero to five scale, that they trust their supervisors to help them navigate conversations around the transition to office work, re-entry work, going to the office. And, you know, what's interesting is really when you drill down a little bit further and you see that agencies and components showed the most variation on responses about these types of questions, a similar question on protecting employees' health, safety, and well-being. Employees at the National Science Foundation gave their leadership the highest scores around office re-entry plans, as well as plans to protect the health, safety, and well-being of employees. And employees at the Defense Department gave the lowest scores on these very topics. All right. So people have mixed feelings about coming back to the office, basically. What about that burnout idea? I think OMB was trying to 
get at whether employees feel burned out by what seem to be long hours people are putting in, not at the office or at home. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is something that's a little more interesting at the agency level here. We heard from employees at the Social Security Administration, followed by the VA and the U.S. Agency for International Development. These were the agencies where employees were most likely to say that they felt exhausted in the morning at the thought of another day of work. Employees at the Department of Homeland Security and again, SSA, said that they were most likely to take another job that offered the same pay and benefits as their current position. And on the flip side of that question, employees at NASA, which has consistently been ranked as one of the best places to work in the federal government, they were the least likely to say that they would jump ship for another job with the same pay and benefits. Interesting. So they can't really say, I mean, was the word burnout used in the survey or is that just an imputed word from the types of questions and the types of responses people gave? You know, burnout is the word that the President's Management Council used to categorize the, the themes here, but burnout wasn't specifically mentioned in the question. It's really getting at that that idea of burnout. It kind of makes you wonder about the economy. Here you read story after story about how people are opting out of work altogether and the people that are working feel burned out. So I don't know what that all means, but we are glad that the federal workforce is on the job and we hope they don't feel too much burnout. And is there any way that agencies can use these pulse surveys to somehow help them get things done more effectively? Can and have. The Census Bureau launched a pretty significant pulse survey in the early stages of the pandemic back in April 2020. They launched two big surveys here, the household and small business pulse surveys, and they tracked at a weekly basis, the the health and the economic impact of the pandemic. I actually responded to one of these in 2020 about things like food insecurity and mental well-being. It was a really comprehensive uh, snapshot of how households were doing in the, you know, kind of the worst of the pandemic in some regards. Well, if they'd asked me, and, I could have told them Jory has great mental health well-being and uh, doesn't seem to suffer from food insecurity. But they asked you, not me. <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, you know, these were a useful snapshot for gauging how households were doing in this regard, how small businesses were doing, really helped guide some of the uh, COVID spending packages that were going out through Congress. And these are still ongoing. What's interesting is that the Bureau expects that compared to some of its more well-established survey products, it is getting a pretty low response rate, about 5% overall. It's asking people to fill it out through email and text messages. You may not be used to seeing the Census Bureau ask for information through these channels, but it is getting this information quickly and it's getting this information cheaply by not having to mail things out to the public at a big mailing. Another thing that we saw is the Education Department launch its uh, School Pulse Panel, which is a similar idea, and that was being stood up to enforce the Biden administration's January 2021 executive order on reopening schools. Again, getting a sense of how things are doing at K through 12 schools and making sure that they are able to reopen safely. Yes, you hear this theme emerging from time to time now among people that run large federal programs is that they don't have all of the data they need to know whether the efficacy of the programs is really there and they don't know whether the equitable results that they are trying to get are really there. And so they're trying to augment their knowledge that comes from the systems that generate the data related to the mission. And so the surveys is one way to find out what it looks like from the end 
point of the people receiving the federal benefit. That seems to be the theme here. Fair? Yeah, it's kind of a grassroots way of filling in those gaps. And, you know, I've spoken to enough chief data officers and statistical officials to know that the traditional response rates for these well-established surveys has been on decline for years now. This is something that, you know, they are not getting the typical response rates that they got perhaps a decade ago. And they this is one way, one tool to address that problem. Yeah, because uh, mail postal deliveries seem to be declining in their effectiveness of getting information. And now email, because everyone's afraid that they're being fished or something when email comes. So survey methodologies are a big part of making sure that surveys become effective. What Getting back to the federal pulse survey from OMB, that's going to be a recurring event. What's going to happen next? Yeah. So the value of pulse surveys is that you're checking that pulse you know, frequently. So we're going to see in the months to come a a second and third wave of this federal pulse survey. And we're going to see more snapshots from the federal workforce about how they feel about these issues and potentially other issues as well. So stay tuned on those. Well, one thing we know is if they get a pulse rate of the federal employees, it won't be a resting pulse rate, will it? No, no, it'll be, uh, I guess, an active heart rate. You bet. They're going to be working hard. All right. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, If you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.